Welcome to the Florence Crossroad podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Amen. It is a great morning. What a delight to be with all of you today. Think about this. We can't be in one room, but we're all over, literally, the world, and we're together. You know, we've got a lot of things we're going to have to change when we come back into a church setting. Uh, Maybe we'll have to get dressed, probably have to find out how to uh, navigate uh, being in a service and... uh, not having to get up and go get a cup of coffee or mute the preacher. Now, that could be done probably uh, at any given moment here today, but we're delighted that you're with us. It's a great day. We get to celebrate our great God and all that He's doing among us uh, in, in our world. I, I'm starting a brand new series this morning, and uh, it's one on prayer, uh, one that I believe that uh, will hopefully bring Uh, encouragement, hope, and help to each of you today. You know, God gives me dreams. I choose to listen to his dreams. The Holy Spirit empowers those dreams. And then God anoints my life in turn to turn those dreams into reality. And I believe that that all is part and parcel with what God's done in my life for all these years. But it all begins in prayer. Prayer is one of the most critical, the most powerful, the most wonderful things that God has allowed for each of us to be a participant in. Uh, You know, in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, it's the setting of Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper. And this, those three chapters are really the conversation that went on around that table. It was a time when they were speaking and talking to each other. In these chapters, you're going to find, and we're going to look at some things this morning, that are not found in any other of the Gospels. This is a new moment. These are things that they're hearing for perhaps the first time. And in essence, it was the disciples hearing God speak through Jesus to them about communion with him. And he makes these statements. They're powerful statements. In John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, it says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You know, the Greek word there for anything means anything anything in my name. In John 15, he says it this way, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask, listen to this, whatever you ask in my name, he may give you. Wow. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Do we really believe that? Do we really honestly accept that? That is a truth from Jesus himself. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible, and the red letters simply mean these are the direct words of Jesus, those are in red. If you ask my Father 
anything in my name, he will give you. John 16 says it this way, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Three times he returns to that statement. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. We have the prerogative to ask the Father in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, for anything, anything. He says, ask and you receive that your joy may be full. Wow, what an amazing promise. Why would would anyone not want to take advantage of that promise? Why would we not want to take advantage of, of God's word in our life? Why would we not want to pray? And, and I thought about that over the course of the last couple of weeks. Why would we not want to take and exercise our faith in prayer? Well, I think there's a few reasons why we won't and why we don't, but there are two great reasons why we should. And, and I want to start with the first three, first of all. First of all, we don't pray because of complacency. In fact, that's the bane of, of, of most people in our world is complacency. We have judges confirmed, laws passed, and people elected because believers don't pray, say something, or even vote. We simply are complacent. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't matter if I get involved. I don't want to become involved. I don't want to be touched by it. I don't care. That's an attitude that can seep right into our prayer life. If it doesn't impact me, if it doesn't touch me, I feel less inclined to pray. If there's, a, if there's an epidemic happening on the East Coast and I live on the West Coast, it doesn't touch me, so I'm not going to be engaged. As long as it doesn't touch me, I don't care. But when it does touch us, then we do care. It's an amazing thing how people won't pray until something tragic occurs in their life. And then all of a sudden, our attention is focused to prayer. Complacency. Our complacency can and does move into our prayer life. And, it, and in, when it does, we fail to pray. We fail about the important issues and circumstances that, that are in our lives. It's far easier to complain and blame others rather than to ask God to help us in those circumstances. Second thing is unbelief. Unbelief. If people really believe that spending time in prayer could make a difference in our families, make a difference in our business, make a difference in our community, make a difference in our health, make a difference in our financial uh, areas of our life, if we really believe that, we'd pray. But we don't. And I think the reason a lot of people don't is because they don't really believe. They don't believe that when we pray, God will answer. I've lived long enough to know that my God answers prayer. I've watched it. I've experienced it. I am, I am the recipient of people praying for me. I can remember prior to coming to Christ, I had people praying for me. I have people praying for me right now. And I thank God for that. I've watched God answer prayer. I think today that we have a belief that if we spend 10 minutes in prayer, that that it won't accomplish as much as 10 minutes on the Internet or 10 minutes in watching the news. 
Let's take the time to pray. Unbelief is very real. The third one is discouragement. I prayed and nothing happened. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get the answers that I needed. And so because I didn't get what I desired or what I wanted, I become discouraged. And I think these are tools of the enemy, complacency, unbelief, discouragement. There are two reasons, though, that I want you to hear this morning about why we should pray. And there are two big words, theological words, that you don't use every day. But when we understand the definitions of these words, wow, I mean, they open up the entirety of heaven to you and to me. One is the word, the sovereignty of God. Now, when I use that term, we, we, can, we can misunderstand that term, the sovereignty of God. I think some people have the idea that God is, is, is sovereign and, and he's made up his mind and he's not going to change. He's just simply, that's the way it is and it's going to happen no matter what. But let's take a look at the biblical understanding of what this means. Sovereignty simply means supremacy. He has everything. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He is supreme over everything in life. He's the supreme ruler of this universe that you and I live in. Too often we assume that his sovereignty means that he's going to do what he wants to do no matter what. And the enemy says, well, if he's going to do what he's going to do no matter what, you don't need to worry about it. You don't need to pray. That's a tool of the enemy to distract you. It's, it's, it's powerful. In fact, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking, and he's sharing these words that he says, the Father knows what you need before you ask. Now, think about that. He knows what you need before you ask. And some people would say, well, if he knows what I need, why ask? But listen to this. He knows what I need before I ask. He's simply saying, I know what you need, but when you ask, you engage me and you engage heaven's power to come into your life. We're, we're not here to assume that, that God has just simply some of the answers. We assume that he, he wants to be a part. I do. I assume he wants to be a part of my life. He knows, yes, but it doesn't preclude you and I in asking. The sovereignty of God does not mean he is going to do whatever he wants to do, no matter what. He is going to do what he desires. Listen to this. We assume the will of God is a fixed thing. The will of God is something fixed. We need to understand that term will. I, I wrote a will or had a will written a number of years ago. And what that will meant was that when I die, the last $15.30 that I have left after I'm gone is going to be divided between those that I want, it, want to have it. I, I'm planning on spending most of it before I get there. You know, having uh, in, in, in sound mind and goodwill, I spent it all. Well, that's not quite true. But the point of it is, is that I, I have a will. My will is to leave my inheritance, what I have left, to my family. What that will is, it's my desire to leave to certain people some things. When I think about that concept of will and desire being interchangeable, I begin to understand a little more about this idea of the will of God. Listen to, to what he says in 2 Peter. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing 
that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing. What it's saying is his desire is that everyone come to know him. That's the will of God. That's his desire. Now, let me ask you this. Is everybody saved? Has everybody come to God? No, because they've exercised their will or their desire as well. Man, I think about this. It's a powerful thing. He created us in his image. He created us according to his purposes. And he gave us a will like his. What that's simply saying is he has desires. Yes, he has a plan. He, he would love to do certain things in our lives. But it's dependent upon me making my life come into a, agreement with that. God's will is always for the good. I love the way he says it in Jeremiah. I know the thoughts I have toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of goodness, of kindness, of, of grace, of, of, cur- of blessing, not cursing. These are the, that's the will, that's the purpose, that's the thought that he has towards us. The reason, and I'm going to share with you something, the reason good things happen in your life is because your will moves God's will from heaven to earth. Do you catch that? God's will, your will moving God's will from heaven to earth. Listen to it. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. Your desire be done on earth as it is in heaven. Nothing good is going to happen in your life unless you pray. That's that's a serious statement, but it's a true statement. Prayer is exercising your will to move God's will to this world. If we pray, God will answer. Well, I want my neighbor saved, and if it's, if it's the will of God that my neighbor... Wait a second. It is already the will of God that your neighbor is saved. It's the will of God that your children know him. It's the will of God that you, you and your family live in peace and harmony. That's the will of God. We don't have to pray about those. That's the will of God. I would that none perish. What he's saying, my desire is that everybody would agree with my desire for you. Jeremiah put it this way, and it's kind of a a challenging thought. And and I love this. And I'm going to read a passage, and and it's not going to necessarily make sense to you. but, But it will make sense when we begin to understand the principles that are involved. In Jeremiah chapter 32. Now, understand, Jeremiah's father has passed away, and his mother had to sell a piece of property, and we're going to understand a little about the dynamics of the transaction of all of that and how that applies to you and I in prayer. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord and said to me, please buy my field that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin. For the right of inheritance, notice this, for the right of inheritance is yours and the redemption is yours. The right of inheritance is yours and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Apparently God had already been speaking to him about this. So I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle who was in Anathoth, and weighed out 
to him the money, 17 shekels of silver, and I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses and weighed the money on the scales. Now listen to these words. So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open. Now, I want you to think about what does that have to do with prayer? There are a couple things that I think are valuable here. And I think God wants us to understand this in relationship to prayer. There were two rights here. One was the right of redemption and the right of inheritance. And then there were two deeds. One was sealed and one was opened. Jeremiah's father had died. His mother sold the property simply to have a livelihood and sold it to his, his, his brother, be, be Jeremiah's uncle. And according to this custom, Jeremiah's cousin came back to him and said, you can buy the field back for you have the right of inheritance and the right of redemption. What that simply means is, is that this property that Jeremiah's cousin bought or his uncle bought, has, would, when he died, would revert back to Jeremiah's family at his death. That, that is simply the, the right of, of, of inheritance. But in the meantime, Jeremiah had the prerogative to be able to go and buy that property back. He had the first right of refusal, if you will, of that property. He could buy it back and, and, and redeem it, or he had the right of inheritance, he would get it when he died. But that's not where it stops. There are two deeds that are associated with this as well. There's a sealed deed and there is a open deed. The sealed deed was an immutable deed. It, that property belonged to the family lineage of Jeremiah. It had their name on it. It would always be theirs. But there was an open deed. They could sell that property. They could, in this open deed, they could put whoever's name was uh, on that deed that bought the property. But they always had the right for inheritance and the right of redemption. They always had the prerogative to buy back and retain back what was given. Now, what does that have to do with prayer? Think about this. God gave to Adam supremacy over this world. He gave to him dominion over this world. He lost that. Satan gained that. But, I, but think about this. When God speaks about that, he always speaks about the land. He's speaking about not just the land, but all that's in this land. Adam lost that to Satan. Satan's name is on the open deed. But Jesus Christ came back having the right of inheritance and the right of redemption. He claimed back. He took back that deed. Because understand something. There was a sealed deed. If you go back to Revelation chapter 5, it's interesting that there was, it, it says it this way, and I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. I believe that is the, the sealed deed of this world and everything in it. You get excited. I can say amen, and today I have to say it all by myself. You know, think about this. It's the sealed deed of God. It's God's deed to this world and everything and everyone that's in it. And Jesus Christ came into this world to buy back you and me, the inheritance of this world. He redeemed us back to the Father. And he gives to us, 
listen to this, through prayer, the right, the right of that sealed deed. We have the right of dominion, the right to take and control our life and everything in it. Man alive, what a God we serve. He's given to us all of this. He gives you and me through his son the open deed over your life and your destiny. God will, God's will over you, listen to this, is dependent upon whether you align your will with his will. Not my will be done, Jesus said, but your will. Not my will, but your will. Not my desire, but your desire. And God's desires are always bigger and always greater and always more sufficient than ours. So when we pray, we're praying to the supreme ruler of heaven and earth, the one that can literally move heaven and earth for you. Why wouldn't we want to pray? There's a second reason we should want to pray. And this is a term that I'm sure that you've used somewhere in your vocabulary this week, the immutability of God. Wow, what is that word? I've never even heard that word. What does that word mean? I don't even know how to define that word. Well, the word immutable simply means unchangeable, unchangeable. Malachi says it this way, for I am the Lord God, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I am the Lord, your God. I do not change. God's character and his mind are separate. Please hear this. God cannot and will never change his character. His character is fixed. His character cannot change. Because you see, if God's character could change, it simply means he's not perfect. He hasn't matured. He hasn't grown. His character is fixed. He's totally mature, totally perfect. There's nothing about his character that needs to be improved upon. But his mind is something different. According to Scripture, God can change his mind. Pastor, are you kidding me? Abraham knew this, and he prayed, and God changed his mind. Moses knew this, and he prayed, and God changed his mind. Exodus chapter 32 says, So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people because Moses prayed. The word relent is an interesting word. If you change the L to a P, it's not relent, it's repent. And we don't want to hear that, that God repented. What does that mean? We have this concept in our mind that if God repented, it meant that he repented from evil to something different. That's not what it's meaning at all. The whole concept of the Hebrew uh, word of repentance is changing your mind. It's really probably more easily understood in the Greek language because it is the Greek word metanoia. Two words, meta, meaning to change, noia, meaning my mind, knowledge, knowledge, gnosis, the understanding, my mind, changing my mind. When when a person repents from sin, it's they're changing their mind about sin. They're changing their attitude about those ways of life. God changed his mind, not from sin, but he changed his mind about the outcomes. You remember the book of, in the Old Testament called the book of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. God had a word for Jonah. He says, I want you to go up to Nineveh. I want you to tell the Ninevites that if they don't repent in 40 days, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. 
Jonah went the other way. He didn't go to Nineveh. He went, he went to Tarshish. He, le- he went a totally different way. We, we think that that was a rebellion, and it was. He, he, he didn't want to go to, to Nineveh. He didn't want to speak to these people. He didn't want to tell them these things. Why? Well, when you get to chapter 3, you begin to understand why. He ends up going to, you know, he ended up in a fish, and he ended up being regurgitated and come up. You, you know the story. It's, it's an interesting story. But he ends up in Nineveh, and when he does, he goes and he preaches, repent, repent. In 40 days, you're going to be wiped off the face of the earth. And you know what? They did. And then he got ticked off. He really got upset. And he went over and he sat underneath a fig leaf or a big leaf and it withered and that is a long story. But the bottom line, the reason that he did was this. He says, God, I knew you would do this. I knew that you were a God of compassion and I knew that you would change your heart and I knew that they would repent. You see, Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. He wanted God to wipe them off the face of the earth. He was prejudiced and bigoted. He didn't like them, and he wanted God to annihilate them. And he knew that God was a God of compassion and that God would, in essence, change his mind. And that's exactly what he did. It's overwhelming to me. Look at this. His character is compassion and mercy and powerful. That's his character. God is always compassionate. He has a tender heart for every human being. He would, his desire is that every one of us would come to know him. There's nothing that we have done. There's nothing, no place we have gone. There's there's no sin that we have ever created or committed that is beyond the compassion and the mercy and the grace of our Father. He's always there to receive us, to forgive us, to help us. When we repent, when we change our mind to go into the direction that he desires. You know, Ezekiel put it this way as we close this morning. He says, I sought for a man among them who'd make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. That I should not destroy it, but I have found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, saith the Lord. You know what God is saying here? I want you to join hands with me. I want you to agree with me. This is what he's saying. I want you to agree with me for our economy. I want you to agree with me about this pandemic that's impacting our country and our world. I want you to agree with me about jobs and about, about the, 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 the challenge that's facing businesses. I want you to agree with me about your own health. I want you to agree with me about your marriage and about your family and the salvation of friends and people. And friend, maybe it's simply he wants you to agree with him about turning your life to him, of letting him help you Letting him take you out of this helpless moment and give to you stability and strength. To give you peace and eternal life. That's the heart of the Father, and that's his desire for you. This morning, I want you to link arms with God. What a God. He's big, he's powerful, and he's invited us to ask anything in Jesus' name, and he would do it. 
Perhaps right now you would say, Pastor, I don't have that calm assurance today, assurance that I'm right with God. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins as often as we would ask, the word says. And he wants us to know him. It's not some vague thing. It's not some mystical thing. It's a practical living out daily, his presence in our life. He cares about you, friend. Would you just bow your heart with me this morning and just simply say, I need you, Jesus. I need your help. I change my mind. I want, I want to have a better attitude, a better mindset about the things of God. Lord, I ask your mercy. I ask your forgiveness. Lord, I repent of, of my laxness, of my callousness towards prayer. I want to become a person of prayer. It's a daily application. It's a moment by moment. Lord, I can talk to you at any given time. And I pray that you will hear my prayer. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, this morning, if you, if you have yet to make that commitment, in the comments and chat line here, just note, I need prayer. I need Jesus. Someone will come and talk with you or visit with you. We care about you. Jesus loves you. And we want his favor and his blessing on top of your life. You know, we, we look forward to all of the good things that he has for us. And my prayer and my blessing to you is that the Lord will keep you. He will make his very face shine upon you. He will make his presence known to you. And he'll be gracious and grant you his peace. May the blessing of the Lord be yours. Thank you for joining us today. We enjoy being able to be a part of your life this way. If you'd like to help us here, you can also help us financially by supporting us through... uh, our tie if you're a member here of crossroad send your ties in uh you can go online you can give that way we're not here just about money we're here about souls and we know jesus cares about you and so do we have a great day and a great week in jesus god bless church thanks for connecting with us through our service online if you would like more information about the church and our other online opportunities throughout the week or if you simply would like to connect with a pastor or seek prayer you can do so at florencecrossroadag.org also families get ready because at 11 o'clock every sunday there's a brand new kids lesson on the crafted kids facebook page trust me you won't want to miss out Church, we are praying that you are blessed today and that you go forth to be a blessing to others. Have a great Sunday.